What is going on, everybody? Welcome back. It is Dog Talk with your host, Holden. Glad to have everybody back here as we get rocking and rolling with another episode uh, of Dog Talk. It is college football week. We have the first week, technically called week zero, of college football is happening this weekend. It's the start of college football. I can't believe it's finally here. The dogs are not on the field on Saturday. We're not on the field on Saturday, but that's okay. We still have college football that is being played this weekend. I'm fired up about it. I know everybody else is too. The dogs have eight more days before we touch the field. Eight more days before we get on the field and get to start rocking uh, with some true football that we're all fired up and excited about. Um, I can't wait for it. It's hard to believe that we've got eight more days for that. It's hard to believe the season's here. We talk about this pretty much every week. We've talked about it the past couple of weeks. And every time I talk about it, I say the same exact thing. It's hard to believe. Um, but it's here. We are week zero starts on Saturday. There is a slate of games that's already here ready to kick off this weekend. And I had all of them pulled up. And generally, as usual, when computer issues start to become a thing, what happens? That stops working. Uh, but I'll get it pulled up really quick. Here's the games, the big games that we're going to be looking forward to. Not really necessarily even looking forward to as much as it's just these are some games that are ranked. You got Navy. At number 13, Notre Dame happening at like 2 o'clock, and then you got to wait till late into the night uh, when you get San Jose State and USC playing at 8 o'clock, but also Vandy and Hawaii, I think, play at 8 o'clock. There's a couple of other games as well that are going to be played on Saturday, so it's exciting, man. Week zero is here. College football is here. We've been waiting on it for so long, uh, and I'm, I'm just I'm fired up about it. Fired up that it's here. Uh, it's all, I mean, what else can you say? College football's back, baby. Oh, man, it's so exciting. So this is what we've got on tap. We've got a couple of things that we're going to talk about uh, that Kirby had questions, uh, not only in the press conference, but I also saw where he had uh, an interview on ESPN earlier that we're also going to talk about some of that. Uh, we've got a quarterback starting. That's been named after the second scrimmage. We've got a lot of injuries we're dealing with right now. But the main part of this show is going to be breaking down game by game how we think Georgia's going to do in this season, 2023 season preview uh, episode. So you guys lock in, and let's get things rocking and rolling. First thing that we're going to start off with here, we're going to listen in on what Kirby was telling. Uh, he, w- he was asked about recruiting, and this is kind of goes back to what I talked about last week when I kind of started the show off, and, and I mentioned this is why I don't really deal with recruiting. One, it's, it, it's the time that it takes to do it, but I don't deal much with recruiting because these guys don't stick. A lot of times these guys don't stick. They they say that they're committed to your team. Then they decide to leave and go elsewhere when they get here, if they get here. Sometimes they decommit before, before they even get here. And sometimes I think you'd rather that happen. Uh, but, but Kirby was kind of asked about this. And listening to what Kirby was saying was exactly the same exact thoughts uh, that I had on it. So let's take a listen here real quick. Uh, number one, we don't want to recruit someone that doesn't fit our culture. So, I mean, we, we've we've turned down talented players. That I was like, man, I just think that guy's got a huge portal risk. So let's say that we put a good year of work into him, maybe two, and we lose him. Why not take the guy that has less portal risk that we put one, two years into and we get return on investment in year three and four because he's going to be a quality leader and a good player. If they're not going to be here. It doesn't matter how good they are. And you're, you're speculating. I mean, you're speculating to say they're not going to be there, but it, it happens. And, and if you find a trait that makes it more likely they're not or there's a higher risk, I, I just assume, hey, look, we're only going to get 25 a year maybe. So let's get 25 that are going to stick and stay and, and not, you know, not bat 70%. Let's bat 85%. That 15% difference in year three and four is incredibly different. Um, so we don't have a we don't have like a perfect potion or remedy, but that's important to us. It's more important than how they play as a player is can we retain them? Yeah, so that was that was kind of the bulk of it there is is also talking about the retention and how do you get these guys that come in and they buy into your program. And I think the question may have even been surrounding how do you keep these guys here? When you get them here, how do you keep them here? Uh and I think that's such a great part that Kirby's talking about there is when we want to recruit guys who want to be here, who want to stay here. How we how we can continue to retain these guys is you get the guys that you believe will be here. You know, if he has kind of a suspicion or a feeling that he's got a guy that uh, he may be looking at that seems kind of flighty, I guess is really the best way to put it. Why would we recruit that guy? Why do we want that guy to come here, give us a year or two getting prepared? He finally is starting to figure things out. It becomes his chance, and then he leaves. You know, whereas you're investing in a guy 
and three and four years down the road, you want to be able to return on that investment. Carson Beck's a perfect example of this. You're talking about a guy who for four years, basically, this I guess is his fourth year, that he has sat there. He has sat there behind a few guys, and his number has not been called. Now, it's been called in mop-up duty in some cases, but he has been there. He has, he has stuck around, and it is his time to shine. He is here. Carson Beck, after this second scrimmage, Kirby did and was asked, I think, about quarterbacks and situations like that, and he did mention and name Carson Beck as the starter. I'm sure if you guys are listening to this, you've already heard this, or if you're watching this on YouTube, you've probably already heard this. Carson Beck will be the starter in the 2023 season as we get the season started. And I think it's a lot to be said also for Brock Vandegrift that's behind him, Gunnar Stockton that's behind him, uh, Will Muschamp's uh, son there too, uh, Jackson I think is his name. Man, I'm kind of blanking on names. But for these guys who are sticking around, that again, I said it last year with Stetson coming back, I wondered how we would be – would we even be able to – retain these guys will Carson stick around you know he's such a good talent and we we knew this coming in you know he was recruited by Alabama committed to Alabama decommitted from Alabama came to Georgia and he has been here ever since he's been sitting right there waiting waiting his turn and it's finally his turn he gets the call he gets the start very exciting uh, for Carson I'm excited to see what he's going to do coming into this season I've got a lot of faith in the guy you know unfortunately for Stetson we didn't have that same faith coming into it um, but but Carson, everybody seems to have the faith, and I'm fired up to see what he can do. He has not proven yet. The little bit that we've seen him, yes, there are flashes of goodness, but there's also some of those flashes of not. What was it, last year or the year before? I think it may have been last year where he throws an interception. It may have been – I don't think it was UAB. I can't remember who we were playing. But he throws a pick six when we're on, like, the the opposing goal situation just about. You know, we're deep in the other the opponent's territory. And he throws a pick six, guy runs it all the way back, and he never even tried to track the guy down. Again, the game is over at this point, but he's not proven. But listening to Kirby talk about this second scrimmage and talk and praise, essentially, uh, Carson Beck about, you know, even though he hasn't been on the field, even though he hasn't been able to prove it on the field, mentally he's so sharp and he's so smart about the game of football and learning the way that Georgia's offense is to be ran and being prepared for that moment. Now, the moment's here. It's time for him to step up and be in that position. And he said he is just a little bit further along than Brock is, than than Gunner is. So this is the reason. And, and again, he said this about Stetson as well. He is the guy who right now we believe in. He is the guy that we believe gives us the best opportunity to be successful. So we're going with him, and that's where he ends up naming him as the starter. Coming back from the second scrimmage off of this past weekend, uh, Kirby talked, you know, a lot more glowingly about the team than he did the week before in that first scrimmage. Again, first scrimmage, sometimes you're knocking rust off, this, that, or the other. Uh, but the first scrimmage didn't really seem like, okay, this is a Georgia team we can be really excited about coming out with the way that Kirby was speaking. Again, some of this is coach talk. We talked about that last week. Some of what Kirby is going to talk about this is going to be coach speak. So you're not always going to necessarily get exactly what it is uh, that you want to hear out of Kirby in those situations, but that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that um, because this week it sounded a lot better. Again, I think he's still getting a message across to his team when he needs to, but it's also listening in and saying, okay, sounds like our running backs are doing okay. We've still got some dinged-up running backs. We're going to talk about some some of that here upcoming in just a minute. But quarterbacks look good. Carson and them had a better day. Offensive line took a step up, which was really good, uh, considering our questions are kind of and kind of have been sitting on the defensive line. How are we going to look in that defensive line position? We don't have depth in certain situations on the defense that we'd like to have. And it seems like the defense was getting the better of the offense last week. Seems like it was kind of flip-flop this week. Uh, seems like the offensive line had a much better weekend, a much better scrimmage and scrimmage too and kind of essentially won that battle, if you want to call it that. Um, Wideouts sound like they're doing good. Um, I heard later on into the week, uh, really just a couple of days ago, that it sounds like a lad was not at practice. Don't know what that's all about. Um, could be injury. Could be just kind of you know, having treatment with Ron on certain things. I don't really know. Now, nothing has came out that there's anything significant with him, so that doesn't necessarily concern me uh, on an injury front normally if something is bad enough that a guy's not going to be able to play with it for the season or definitely not going to be in at the start of the season we're going to hear about that because there have been multiple guys that this has already come up for one of which Branson Robinson it came up that he tore or ruptured his patella tendon the other day 
on a non-contract drill. I, I think Kirby had even mentioned that it was a cut. He was making a cut and ruptured that patella tendon, which is awful. Unfortunately, Branson's going to be out for the rest of the season because of that. Again, if you're listening to this, more than likely you have already heard this. You already knew this uh, coming into it and listening here. But he's going to be out for the season. So all of a the sudden, these injuries are kind of starting to pile up, but especially in our running back room because Kendall Milton has been out with a hamstring injury. Um, slowly getting back, but he's still not 100%. Kirby told you that. And then you have now Branson goes out. Well, Dejon Edwards, he's got a brace on his knee as well. He is doing small contact drills in the running back room. He's not 100%. Now we're going to a uh, former walk-on in Cash, uh, Cash Jones back there, Andrew Paul, who's coming off an ACL injury. Uh, I think you got Broderick Jones – or not Broderick uh, – he may, he may be Robinson as well. I can't. I, it's kind of hard for me to keep up with once you start getting five and six deep in the running back room, which at the time, coming into the fall camp, it was like, yeah, we're deep in the running back room. We're good. And then all of a sudden, just a couple of injuries happen, and it's like, wait, 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 wait. Stuff starts to get a lot more difficult when we start looking at the depth of these of these injuries. And, and in certain positions, when these injuries start to hit, man, that, that really starts to affect things. But it sounds like the second scrimmage, a, a lot of this that – talking about now when we're getting into these injuries this has happened after this second scrimmage but it sounds like the second scrimmage went much better than the first Uh, so that's good to hear especially considering we're only eight days out and technically camp has ended listening to kirby talk about some of this camp ended and now we kind of get into starting prayer prepare for the season now these next really week because again eight days are this week it was preparing for other games in the season I think he said come Friday, which is when this episode airs, that is when they will start to turn their attention to UT Martin, which will be the first game of the season. So they'll start prepping for them now. They'll start prepping for them now and get that uh, ready and and on the field for next week because that's what's coming uh, down the pipe. But let's kind of get back into some of the injuries. And another question that Kirby was asked as well, especially after hearing the news about uh, Branson Robinson and – I meant to pull this up earlier, but it's not a big deal. But anyways, this was another question that Kirby was asked in a press conference as well, which was Kirby on the uh, running back depth now with Branson Robinson going down. Is this going to kind of change things at all for the offensive scheme? Are things going to have to change? Are we going to have to be more pass-heavy? What's exactly going to happen with that? Let's listen in and hear what Kirby had to say on that. going to affect our run-to-pass ratio. We have – capable backs uh he was one of our better backs and uh, when healthy last year we think he was kind of coming into his own he was learning how to pass protect he was learning how to do this and he he had a really good spring while he was going so we were really excited about where he was headed he was explosive twitchy um could do some things uh in pass pro and running the ball that maybe some of the other guys guys couldn't do but um we're not going to have that luxury. So we have other guys that can do it. I don't think it changes philosophically when you've got Kendall Milton, Dejon Edwards, Cash, uh, and Andrew Paul, who, who's had a good camp, uh, although he's coming off an ACL, and then Rod. I mean, we've got capable backs there, and we've got people around them to get the ball to. So I, I don't see that changing who we are offensively. It's just, uh, you know, it probably makes uh, another injury more significant. It makes you rethink, you know, what special teams roles do you want the backs playing? Because you you got to be aware of of at what point um, there's a drop off. Yeah, so just like Kirby said there, that's where you start to kind of get into that concern of of, of is that running back depth is that going to start to become an issue if we start to continue injuries? From what I've heard so far, and Kirby saying this as well, they expect Kendall to be ready by the start of the season. They expect hopefully Dejon Edwards will also be available. Again, when you're coming off an ACL injury that happened just a year ago, you would expect – you're hoping you get a guy back by then, but sometimes it takes longer than that. We've seen it in the past, especially with a running back, a guy who has to make strong cuts. It can be more difficult to get a guy back quicker off an ACL injury like that, like Andrew Paul has been facing. So we do have guys. We do have depth. But all you are is an injury away from all of a sudden that depth going a, a, a whole other direction. And it's not only the depth factor. It is – if all of a sudden Branson Robinson, who a few touchdowns last year, really shined uh, even in the national championship game later, but especially against Auburn last year, if all of a sudden he's gone, which he is, 
and now you take a Dejon Edwards, who also got a ton of carries over the past few years, a senior. You take him out of that rotation, and Kendall's not ready for week one. All of a sudden, you're going with a walk-on in Cash Jones. You got Broderick back there, but you also have Andrew Paul, who's coming off an ACL injury. These guys are not proven, and they also don't have very meaningful, don't have really any snaps. Cash Jones, I think, is the only of those three that has anything. You got a walk-on. You got a guy who tore his ACL last year and never saw the field other than in the spring, and then you have a true freshman. That's where you get limited to if Kendall's not able to go and DeJon's not able to go. The only good thing, and we talked about this last week, the good thing about this is you start the season easy. That's the good thing about this schedule, lining up the way that it does. It just so happens it works out in Georgia's favor. It's not anything new that Georgia is starting the season with injuries. It happens every year. Last year we had a lot. The year before that we had a lot. Every single season we hear about injuries that happen in fall, season-ending injuries. Andrew Paul went through that last fall. You have these injuries that come in. You have to have that next man up mentality. We talk about it every year. It's something that ha- that comes up even in the season. And unfortunate, it's very unfortunate what happens, of course, but it's also – when we get in the meaningful games, we can't make the excuse, oh, we're hurt. You know, we've got to have guys that step up in those positions. And as Kirby's saying there, you can have guys step up in that position, but if we we, we got to limit the injuries because if all of a sudden you get down even further in depth and you're looking at two or three guys is all you have to carry yourself. And, again, first couple of weeks you got it made, but then we get to South Carolina, you get another easier game in UAB following that. But then we kind of start rocking and rolling into that SEC slate, and things change from that point forward. That's when you really, really have to get everything in order by the time that comes around. So in that injury front, that's what we talked about there with the running backs. We know Branson Robinson's out for the season. Kendall Milton hopefully is going to be ready by the start of the season, but he's not 100% right now, and we're eight days out, still battling a a, a hamstring issue. DeJon Edwards, a brace on the knee. Not exactly sure what they said. I think it's like a sprained knee. I don't know how long that's going to take. That could be something that takes a week. It could take two weeks. It may take three weeks. I do not know. I don't know if he's going to be ready by week one or if we're not going to see him till South Carolina. A lot of me would say, hey, let these younger guys get the experience. Let them get on the field. Let them work and get them prepared. And then let's get our big guys back once we start playing in these bigger games. But I really don't know how that's going to shake out. Uh, but the good thing is, hey, trust in Kirby. Kirby's got it under control. It ain't up to us to figure out how exactly this thing's going to work. So that's, that's how we're looking on the injury front as far as running backs go. And then let's kind of look at some of the others. Uh, Smile Mondin, you know, he's still a little bit beat up, but not quite uh, back to par yet. Uh, Kamari Lasseter was one we talked about last week that we weren't sure if he was going to be back and ready, um, and I'm still not sure on that. I think we're still hoping that somebody steps up in that position, but I personally am not sure he's going to be ready by week one. I really don't know if we're going to see him until we get you know, into South Carolina, if, if not further than that. So I still think he's a few weeks out before we get him back. Um, I'm hoping that he comes back, but again, just not really hearing anything out of him. Um, offensive line, I think everything's – going okay I, I think I remember reading a little bit about some guys they kind of get beat up but then they come back in and they're doing okay uh, so that's good Ernest Green getting a lot of work uh, there on the O-line as well defensive line I think some most of the injuries that I remember looking at last year I think we seem to be doing okay as far as those go um, again the the main significant one being there and Branson Robinson being out for the season uh, which really stinks so all right that's a good way to kind of get this, the the slate rocking and rolling into the episode here. Hey, if you guys are watching on YouTube, I greatly appreciate it. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up uh, and make sure you guys go over and follow us on X. I've still got all the Twitter logos up there, Instagram, all of the things, at Dog Talk 20 I'd greatly appreciate it. Really appreciate you guys being here. Now, let's get into the season preview. The season preview, we're going to go game by game and see how we feel like Georgia's going to be doing this season. Obviously, a couple of weeks ago, we did go in and we already did our season predictions as far as predicting how we think this is going to play out. This is how I think uh, Georgia's record is going to be, how I think all these SEC records are going to be. But now we're going to kind of go game by game. And some of these we can't dive very deep into. Again, I can look at UT Martin. I can look at Ball State. I can look at UAB and Georgia Tech. I can look at all of them, dive deep into their schedules, and sit here and talk to you for it about for 10 minutes if I wanted to. But I think each and every single one of us listening to this and watching this knows why. There's no point in diving that deep into a team that Georgia more than likely is going to hang 63 points on and beat them by 50. 
you know, if not more than that, maybe less than that. It all kind of depends on how things shake out. Um, but that's what we're going to do. We're going to get into the season preview now. So you guys buckle your chin straps. Let's get it rocking and rolling. Starting things off, UT Martin. I did at least go in and look and say, okay, let's at least look and see how these teams did last year and what they stack up against in this. UT Martin, not a bad football team last year. I think they won their conference, ended up going 5-0 and in a conference, which I've never heard of playing five games for a conference schedule. But I don't know that much about Ohio's, Ohio football up there and how things work in these smaller leagues. But they go 7-4 and four on the season. They're big kind of – what I did was looked at matchups with comparable teams. So a lot of that, did they play an SEC team? Did they play a team that Georgia has either played in the past or is playing now? And they played Tennessee last year. They lost 65-24. to 24. The big number there is the fact that they put up 24 points. Now, again, I'm not diving so deep that I look and see, let's see how many players from UT Martin from last year are there this year. Let's see how that – no, no, no. I'm not, I'm, again, I'm not going to dive that deep into these smaller schools. Um, but that was at least a thing. 65-24, to 24, they lost to Tennessee, but that's the comparable. Again, I think Georgia can do the same thing. Hopefully not giving up 24 points because that's probably mop-up duty that Tennessee gave it up. I didn't look that deep into it as far as that goes, but I think this is an easy win to start the season. Again, get these guys that are hurt back. You can also ease these guys that are not quite 100% into it if that's the way that Kirby wants to do it. Again, it's not up to us, but again, getting these backups, getting these other guys who – don't have the experience yet getting them those reps especially in this running back room this is a great opportunity to do that one to know one to know that's how we start th- this season off by the look of that then we move on to ball state ball state not as good of a football team five and seven is what they end last year three and five in their record some of the i guess you again comparisons i've got a few here they also played tennessee evidently you know, we never heard anybody talking about it last year. Oh, Tennessee's got the easiest schedule, but they kind of lined up the same way that Georgia's lining up this year. UT Martin, Ball State, two teams that Tennessee played last year, two teams that Tennessee waxed last year. They beat them 59-10. to 10. Then some of the other comparables, Kent State. Kent State, a team that we saw last year, 27-20. to 20. Ball State did beat them, uh, but then they also lost to Georgia Southern, 34-23. to 23. Did at least want to give out the shout-out there to Southern up there in Statesboro. So that's the that's the matchup there. Again, not, not diving that deep into a Ball State team that I think Georgia handles pretty easily. Again, coming off a of back-to-back national championship, you still got a great defense. You still got a good offense, even though your running back room is struggling at the moment as far as with depth. 2-0 starting the season. Then we head to South Carolina, week three. This is where the first test comes into the season, and I don't know how much of a test it's going to be. Again, some of these games that Georgia is getting this year, the good thing is it's at home. These are not games that we're having to travel into until we get into middle of November. I kept saying last week, late low, late November, but really it's, it's middle. So November 18th is the big one, which we're going to talk about. We're going to get there. But South Carolina is going to be the first test. South Carolina coming off of a good season last year, 8-4, and 4-4 four, four and four in SEC play, but ending – the season with a win over Tennessee and then a win over Clemson, taking both of those teams out of playoff contention. Tennessee was right there on the edge trying to find their way back in. South Carolina ended that. They put that away. Um, and then same thing for, for Clemson. Clemson, I really don't think, had the chance to get in, but South Carolina made sure that they did away with that. And then, again, we talked about this enough already over the past couple of weeks, the Notre Dame ending in the playoff – or not the playoffs, in the uh, postseason, you know, in, in bowl play. My goodness, there we go. Not not all that great, but it was still a good football game. Still a good football game. South Carolina really turned things away around in considering how they started this season. Um, but we don't want to take just the positives. You know, there are the positives of what South Carolina did at the end of the season. There is a lot of the reason that I think South Carolina is going to be, I think, finished third in the SEC this season. Let's see what they finished last year. Last year they finished third. So it's not improbable for them to finish third again this year, looking at the way that I had things lined up. Now, they went eight and five last year, four and four in the SEC. I've got them a little bit better this year. I've got them a little bit better than that this year. Tennessee, I really have about the same, but we'll get to them in a minute. South Carolina, though, I've got them finishing third in the SEC as well. So I think they're still going to have a good season. But we can't forget to look at not only the good things they did at the end of the season to really turn their schedule and season around, but we still got to look at the rough stuff, too. You know, they have Spencer Rattler coming back. That's going to be a savings grace for them. That's a really good thing for South Carolina that I do think is going to help a lot. That's a lot of the reason I think South Carolina finishes third again in the SEC East this year. 
But he did not play all that great before it. He was very flat in it. I think even in that, you know, when they played that Tennessee game, he scored more touchdowns in the Tennessee game than he had five games previous to that. So it's not like he was just lights out all season long last year. It took a while. And then when he got things rolling, he was very good. Heisman caliber kind of player. But you have to do that and maintain that throughout a season, not just a couple of games. Um, and I don't think South Carolina has the juice that early in the season coming into Athens either. So I got the dogs starting things off uh, 3-0. and Then we fast forward. We're still at home. The good thing is we don't leave Athens for the first four weeks of the season. We've got a night game kicking off against UT Martin. Best part about it is it's on a channel that you have to stream. You don't even get to watch the defending national champions on live television unless you're streaming it. I live in a place where I can't stream it, so I'm going to have to go find somewhere to watch it, but you best believe I will. Then Ball State, then South Carolina, then UAB, all of these four games at home. UAB, the comparisons. Georgia Southern was one. Again, we're not playing Georgia Southern, but I like to give a shout-out to Southern over there in Statesboro. Like I said, they beat Southern 35-21, to but they played LSU. That would be the comparable to last year, and they lost to them 41-10. to Lost to them 41 to 10. UAB finished 7 and 6 last year, 4 and 4. I think they're in the Sun Belt uh, with Troy and Southern and all them as well. So, not a bad season. 7 and 6 is a good season for UAB. That's bowl eligible. But again, I just don't think UAB has the depth to be able to keep up with the Georgia football team, who, like I said, I just, I really think this is a. Another good season for Georgia that I don't think they get tested until late into the season. And then SEC championship game. And then moving forward to the playoffs. So, pushing forward past that, I've got Georgia starting things off 4-0. Then we head to Auburn. We've talked about this a little bit already in this kind of previewing and looking forward to the season. Auburn, if you listened to the episode last week, which I would encourage you guys to go back and listen to it if you haven't, we listened in to... Hugh Freeze kind of talking about his team coming into it and how he feels about his team coming into the season with the guys that he's got. And it just didn't sound like a very confident dude. Did not really sound like he was confident in the players, not only that he's got already, but coming in he did say that he thinks they're better than when he got there, but he still doesn't know that it's enough to keep up with it. Again, not very confident. I'm not confident in them either. I, I understand the atmosphere that Jordan Hare is, but you have to have an electric team on the field to keep that fi- that that atmosphere around you alive. Granted, I've got some friends that even when Auburn was not good, they were still fired up for them. And I've got some friends that when Auburn ain't good, they don't care about them. And college football kind of ceases to exist. I get it. If if you have a team that's finishing very low in the SEC, and let, let's see what Auburn ended up finishing last season. I think they ended up finishing – just about yeah basically the bottom of the sec west five and seven two and six weren't even didn't didn't go to a bowl game last year that's the auburn team that hugh freeze inherited and i don't think it's going to be much better this year again looking at the preseason which it's it's on my phone i'd have to look back at it but preseason what i have auburn finishing i've actually got auburn finishing the bottom of the sec west this year Auburn and Texas A&M are two teams that finished the bottom with the same exact records, both 5-7 and seven and 2-6 and six in the SEC, and I've got both of them back, right back down there on the bottom again. I just don't, I don't have a lot of faith in Auburn being a good football team this year. I've listened to a couple other guys that they're like, oh, you know, they could get some pieces. They've got to transfer here and there. You know, they could – I don't I don't hear it from Hugh Freeze that he thinks he's got the team, and I just don't believe that Auburn has a team who's truly going to be able to come in and compete – against Georgia at all and Georgia is going to go to Jordan Hare and play that game can it be juice can there be atmosphere yes but generally in the past when Georgia is playing an Auburn team and having to go to Jordan Hare Auburn has some players who are electric who stand out even when Bo Nix was there and Bo Nix could not beat Georgia still couldn't do it even when he went to Oregon he was still that electric player that was able to extend plays extend drives and, and keep Auburn alive in situations to make the game at least more competitive. They don't have that. Robbie Ashford's not the guy. I don't even know if he's still at Auburn. There's another guy that they brought in as well as a transfer. I don't think he's going to matter either. They Running back side, I'm not nervous about that at all. George, Auburn's defense in years past has been pretty good, but past couple of years, no, hasn't. So I'm not too concerned about Auburn in this one. And, again, I think Georgia just kind of continues uh, to move forward 
and they're scheduling a win against Auburn. Then we get Kentucky. Again, this one's in Athens. We're not going to Lexington. Did that last year. This is one of those games that I don't want to necessarily just breeze past. I don't want to just grease the skid and just slide right by them because Kentucky, every single year, especially over like the past five years, Kentucky has been a little bit of a thorn in Georgia's side. And what I mean by that, even though there are games that we have played them where the weather has played a factor in it, you can't use that as an excuse, but it's it's been a closer game. Georgia, a couple of years ago, with uh, Kentucky being a really good and highly ranked team coming into Athens, that was a very competitive football game that didn't necessarily come down to the end of it, but it was late in the game before Georgia finally put it away against Kentucky to win that one. Last year, same thing, we go to Lexington, and it's it's a nail-biter. You know, that was the same night I think that Tennessee actually ended up getting beat by South Carolina. You were more entertained by that game than you were the, the Kentucky-Georgia game, and that's because of the way that the Kentucky-Georgia game went. The Kentucky-Georgia game, if I remember correctly, was like 18-3. to Let me just look back and see if I can see exactly what that final ended up being last year because it was not pretty. It was not a game that you look back on and you were like, yeah, that – that was a fun season. Um, but anyways, Kentucky is that team that always has a little bit of a thorn in Georgia's side, and it's kind of difficult to beat. It's not necessarily going to be difficult to beat them, but they're competitive. They always make it a much more competitive season at our game. See, every season, year in and year out, it's a, it's a more competitive game than it generally should be. Yes, yeah, so last year, 16-6 to ends up being the final. That's in week 11 for Georgia, and it's 16-6 to 6 is the final. You beat Kentucky by 10, a team who, again, looking at the record, 7-6 last year, 3-5 and five is what they go in the SEC. So not necessarily the greatest team that there is out there, but for whatever reason, we just play so tight against them. We had played Missouri you know, tight last year, too. We're getting there, but Kentucky is a team that year in and year out, for whatever reason, the game is just much closer than it seems like it should now. Will Levis is out. They've got a a transfer quarterback and and Devin Leary coming in. They seem to believe a lot more in him than they do others, but or than they did in Will, which I'm surprised because so many of the talking heads were so high on Will Levis, thinking he was going to be the number one draft pick, one of the highest quarterback drafts pick draft picks in the in the entire draft last year, and that just wasn't the case. And now everybody's high on Devin Leary. We'll see. Maybe maybe so. You know, I do think he does bring a little bit more juice to it. I think Kentucky. I still think, to me, South Carolina is more of a test than Kentucky is. I still think Kentucky's probably going to finish fourth, if not fifth, in the SEC East. Probably fourth. You know, I, I could see it a Georgia, Tennessee, uh, South Carolina, Kentucky kind of a lineup like that. It kind of makes sense to me. But Kentucky, to me, is just a step below South Carolina. Still going to compete. Devin Leary can make a difference in that. Can they run the rock? That's a big thing. But defensively is generally the question for me can they continue that where they keep Georgia limited because that's what's been happening in the past few years is Georgia may not – Georgia usually doesn't score a ton against Kentucky. It generally still ends up being a closer game uh, than usual. Again, does the weather play a factor into it? I believe it has a couple of times, but it's still not an excuse. Nonetheless, I think Georgia takes care of this one. Then we get to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, a team who won two SEC games for the first time last year in beating uh, Florida and then beating – did they beat Missouri right behind them? Was it South Carolina? I, I don't remember exactly, to be honest with you. But a team in which finally won two SEC games and it happened to be back-to-back, which was something that really hadn't happened in a long time, they had a lot of hype coming off of that season. You know, I think quarterback Mike Wright, I believe he left him. Did he go to Hawaii? So he may be playing against them, or maybe I'm just thinking of Hawaii just because Vandy and Hawaii are playing each other uh, this coming Saturday, start a college football season, which is awesome. But he's gone. You don't have your main quarterback there anymore, so we've got another quarterback that's come in for Vandy. But they just don't have much other than a 20,000, 28,000-seat stadium that has no end zones to it because they're doing all kind of construction. And Georgia is liable to fill up their entire stadium for them when we have to go to Kentucky or to Vanderbilt to play uh, that week on October 14th. But other than that... I, I hate it. I, I think that Clark Lee is a good hire. I think Clark Lee has a lot of passion. I think he has the ability to make this team really want to play and buy into what he's trying to sell. But it's Vanderbilt. I just don't see them getting back to that 2016 self where they're competing as, against Georgia uh, in a way where it's like, oh, 
we got to watch out for Vandy. That just has it's been so far gone where you that's not a thought that comes up in playing Vandy, especially not the caliber that Georgia is at now in comparison to where they are. This is not a 2016 Georgia football team, and it's not a 2016 Vanderbilt team either. Um, so Vanderbilt, unfortunately, two and six last year, five and seven this year. I I think they get at least one SEC win this coming season. It ain't against Georgia. I'll tell you that right now. So continue to move on past Vandy. Now, a team that I just really have no – we don't care about at all, and it's Florida. We don't have a care in the world for them. Don't care that a documentary came out about them, that they left a whole lot out of and a lot to be desired in the documentary. They made things – it doesn't matter. We're not going to We're not gonna dive too deep into that. Florida, if I could put them below Vanderbilt as far as finishing last in the East, I would. But I don't think they're going to finish last. I have a strong suspicion they can finish next to last in the SEC East, though. Napier is working on trying to get a recruiting class together. But until that comes in, this is not the year that I think they take a big turnaround. I don't know what Florida is going to be this year other than not good is the only thought that I have on it. They squeak by just barely being able to get into a bowl game this season. I don't know if they make one this year, which could be a shock to some, but I, I have no bought in. And it's not even just because I'm a Georgia fan. It's because I don't, I don't know of anything good that is going on at the University of Florida right now. Not in the football program. I think we could see a game like we did in 2017, 2018, where Georgia just absolutely throttled Florida. And I hope we see that, to be honest with you. Don't have a lot of hope in Florida doing much against Georgia. Then we get Missouri. Missouri has to come to us. Again, we went to Missouri last year. Boy, was that the shock of a lifetime getting to play Missouri and just barely barely squeaking by them in a night game road atmosphere there. I think they've got a night game that they're going to be playing a pretty important game. Uh, at Mizzou that's going to be fun for them as well. Can't think of it right now, of course. But the good thing is Missouri's coming to us. That's the first thing. The second thing is Georgia's not going to forget what happened last year at Missouri. Georgia's not just going to all of a sudden forget, hey, y'all are a team that had us on the ropes. Credit to you for doing that. But this year it's like, no, no, no. We're not going to give you the opportunity at our house to even put us on the ropes. Elijah Drinkowitz, he's doing some things up there in Missouri. Do I think he can compete in the SEC East? Yes. I don't think it's this year. I think he's still going to have a pretty good team. I still think it finishes bottom to middle of the pack in the SEC East. It's not enough to, to beat Georgia this year. Last year, he had the team to do it. Not saying this team that he's got this year is much different, but I just feel like Georgia, again, when you get not beat, but when you have a team essentially that did beat you in a game, played better than you in all aspects you just had just enough juice at the end to to overcome it you remember that and the next time that you play that team just like this is somewhat different but Vanderbilt cancels on us in the COVID season we absolutely throttle them the next year and part of that I think was some a little bit of frustration because they canceled the senior day on us the the year before well Missouri after beating us this past season or, or after essentially beating us but not on the scoreboard that's not going to happen this year I think, it, I think this is one of those games that you've got scheduled or circled on the schedule, prepared for, waiting for, saying we're not doing this again. Now, Kirby's not going to allow him to do that. You can't look ahead. You have to look this week. The team we're playing this week, that is all of our focus. We have to focus on UT Martin in week one. You don't get to look down to November 18th when you're playing Tennessee. You have to look right here, this game right here, this week to now. That's what we're looking at. So you can't look forward to that. But that's one I've got circled over in my – you know, little calendar over here to where when we get to it, it's like, ah, this game means a lot. It matters because of what they did last year. Let's come out here and prove them wrong and make it just make it known. Hey, last year was was a good game by y'all. This year, we're not going to allow that to happen. So, a big game, but I think Georgia gets over this right here. These next two games, these last two weeks, essentially of the season before we get to Georgia Tech, obviously in in that final rivalry weekend. This is where the fun ramps up. This is where Georgia injuries are going to matter a lot when we get to this point. How does Georgia look? How has Georgia fared in some of these games? And it starts 
It starts earlier in this. We've got, again, a couple of these games. The Kentucky. You've got the South Carolina in week three. You have this Missouri game that, again, you're going to have circled. But it's Ole Miss is coming to town. Last year, a team in Ole Miss that finished 4-4, four and 8-5. Four, and five. This is a team that I believe was 6-0 and oh starting into the season. Looked really good going up against a two-loss LSU team. A team in LSU who had already lost a couple of games. Playing in that game, back and forth, looked like a really good game, and then it fell off. And from that point forward, all of a sudden, Ole Miss went from a 6-0 and football team to losing five of their next six games. It went from, we've got things figured out, to all of a sudden, whoa. We had an easy start to our schedule, and when we got to where the bread and butter was, we, we, we flopped. We had a really tough time with it. This is where the opportunity comes up where Georgia has a really easy schedule and we're able to kind of work our way through it. And you're going to see trouble signs. If we're struggling against South Carolina, if we're struggling at Auburn, if we're struggling in this Kentucky game, even going to Jacksonville against Florida, that's going to be already the kind of precursor and the eye-opening to say, hey, we've got to watch out because when we get to Ole Miss and we get to Tennessee after that, these are not going to be teams that are all of a sudden just going to be like a ball state, like a South Carolina who's reeling and trying to figure it out. Because this is where you're getting to a team who is right now ranked preseason ranked 22nd, followed by that is preseason ranked number 12, Tennessee. Um, so this is, again, this is one of those that I look at, and I'm glad that this is in Athens. Not that I think Georgia couldn't beat them in Oxford, but I think this is a good thing that it's at home. It's going to be a really good game. It's going to be back-to-back weeks of – tough football you come off of missouri at home luckily you get to stay at home and then you got old miss before you have to travel to tennessee but this is going to be the first true i believe hard nosed test because i believe in old miss enough to put them anywhere between three and five in the sec west finishing this year as good as three as low as five i don't think they finished down six or seven i don't think they're going to be that bad of a football team they've got a deep deep quarterback room Lane Kiffin has things that he's got to figure out over there, but offensively, Lane can figure things out. He's done a very good job of it. Again, he started his team off last year 6-0, and and eventually, just like Georgia had to do against Alabama, you eventually have to get over the hump of these big games that you get in, and once you do that, you find yourself successful, such as winning back-to-back national championships. If Lane Kiffin can get to that point where he gets these big games that he gets in, if he can get over the hump of them and win them, all of a sudden it's going to be like, okay, Ole Miss is starting to win the SEC West. They're starting to sit at the top of it instead of 6-0 and starting the season looking really good, sitting up there, and then falling off when the hard games come. Again, when you start the season 6-0 and then you lose five of the next six, you all of a sudden hit the buzzsaw. And this is the opportunity for Georgia to either flutter are really shine and show you okay you got another team that everybody's going to be looking at especially that next week which we're about to get to everybody's going to be looking at and saying okay they're the real deal they're the real deal they're coming to three pete this is something that has never been done really hasn't been done i guess what since the 30s something like that um but they're about to try to do it and we got to find a way to stop them every team in front of them is going to give you everything they got if you've got the number one next to you especially coming off as a back-to-back national championship winning team everybody has you circled on the schedule you have a dart on your back everybody is looking at you what you're doing how can they beat you how do we exploit any kind of weaknesses that that team has and you better believe that lane kiffin's going to be doing that as well when he comes to athens once we get started into november nonetheless i still think georgia has the power to be able to push past that then we get to the big one. This is the biggest game of the season. This is the one I think everybody, any talking head that you look at, some of them may say South Carolina is going to be the trouble. Some of them are going to say at Auburn, which I do not believe in at all. Some will say Ole Miss, but this is the game. If Georgia is going to lose a football game this season, as much as I hate to say it, but I'm just going to be honest with you, if there is a game Georgia is going to lose or could truly, truly lose, this is it right here. This is the one. I'm telling you this preseason. Do I think Georgia loses it? No. And I'm going to get into that in a second. But if there is one game on this schedule of 12 games that Georgia can lose, this is the biggest one of them all. Yes, it's because Tennessee is ranked 12th, but it's also because of just how much. I think Tennessee is going to be really good. 
I think Tennessee is undefeated in that game. I think Georgia heads to Tennessee, and you have a top-five matchup yet again in this Georgia-Tennessee matchup, but it's going to be in Knoxville. I think you have two juggernauts that collide on November 18th in Knoxville, and it's going to be the hardest test that Georgia has all season. And quite frankly, maybe the only test Georgia has all season before getting to an SEC championship game, barring that you win this. Because if you two come together as two undefeated teams and you lose this game, you don't play in an SEC championship game. It could be the ultimate chess match of Georgia's undefeated. We're a little bit beat up. We need to get guys healthy. Let's lose to Tennessee. Not saying that Georgia would ever actually say, hey, let's lose this game. But you do look at it and say, if we lose this game, it's not the end of the world because if you're undefeated coming into it, you're going to have one loss at that point, and you're going to pull the Alabama and just slip in the back door of not having to play the SEC championship game, but more than likely getting in the national championship talk and playoff conversation because you only have one loss. You've been undefeated the top of the pole the entire season. So, But like I said, if there's a game that Georgia can lose and is realistically circled as a possible watch out, you could lose this game. That is it. November 18th at Tennessee. You're going to Tennessee. I've already said this as far as Joe Milton goes. The dude supposedly can throw a ball 95 yards. I've already said this too. Can he do it in front of a Georgia football defender? I don't think so. I think if you got Michael Williams in your face, I don't think you're throwing the ball 95 yards. I really don't. I think they're going to be a good team. They may still have some running. They're going to have the quarterback. They don't have the main guys that they had that were receiving the ball last year. Again, I still think they're going to be a good football team regardless. Some of that is also because, again, the SEC East, you know, is Georgia, and then South Carolina I think is going to be okay, and Tennessee. So all you got to do is get through that. Then on the West – I think LSU is going to be good. I don't think Tennessee has to play LSU this year. They've got Alabama every year, but I'm not as I'm not as robust as far as believing in Alabama this year. I think Tennessee gets a win of a lifetime. Everything has to come to an end, and it did for them finally last year in Knoxville. Well, it's eventually going to come to an end that they're going to win a game in Tuscaloosa too. Just so happens I think that's going to happen this year because I don't know what Alabama is going to be. I don't know what these people are saying as far as thinking that they're going to be better than Georgia. Uh, hmm? They don't even know who the quarterback's going to be. I've got a feeling I know who it's going to be, but doesn't matter what I think. Other than I think Georgia's still going to beat Tennessee November 18th and continue on. And then you get into Georgia Tech, and I, I don't think Georgia Tech is even in the realm of a conversation competing against Georgia. You're coming in with new coaching hires as well, and – you weren't a good football team last year. Four and four, five and seven is what you end. So I think Georgia has another undefeated 12 and 0 season. And that's exciting. That's exciting. Pushing on to the SEC championship game where I think Georgia ends up playing LSU. I think LSU is going to be really good in the West again. Don't know how good they're going to be. Don't know if it's a 10 and 2 good. Don't know if it's a, that's what they ended last year. Don't know if it's an 11 and 1 good. Me personally, I think it's an 11 and 1 good um, with their loss probably coming to FSU. And I really, this is something that I haven't put out yet, but I need to do this is I'm going to break down and see what do I think as far as what does the college football playoff conversation look like once we get down to the end of the season. And preseason-wise, I think Georgia's going to be right there, really good. Even if you were to lose at Tennessee right there in the middle of November, I still think you have, you're still right there. I don't think you can be left out of it by losing just that one game. I really don't. I think as a one-loss Georgia team who's going to sit at the top of the polls pretty much all year long as long as you take care of business, everything's going to be okay. I'm running really bullish on Michigan, and I know that there are some people that are going to say, man, I don't understand how you can run that high on a team like that. They return so much. You've got great running backs. You've got a good quarterback as long as he can put the pieces together. Eventually, Jim Harbaugh also has to get over the hump and win the big one, and He's really good at beating Ohio State right now. He's done it the past couple of years. He has not been able to do it before that. He has to continue that success. But then when you get to the college football playoff, you got to be able to win that game. It was tough against Georgia two years ago. You weren't going to beat Georgia that year. Understandable. You had the opportunity to beat TCU this past year, could not do it. Now that falls on your quarterback's shoulders because he threw two pick sixes, but I think Michigan's a team that's going to be right there. 
the dark horse for me is I really do think that FSU is going to be a team that's probably sitting right there, but I still have them probably 10-2 and two by the end of the season. I don't know if that's going to be enough to get them there. Ohio State, I th- still think, is going to be a good team. But C.J. Stroud not being there anymore and them trying to figure out who's going to be the quarterback there, you still have pieces around you. Obviously, Marvin Harrison Jr. is there. But I don't know if it's enough for them to get into the playoffs this year. And then you look at USC. USC has to handle their business. Last year, they didn't. If USC can handle their business, they're probably going to be sitting right there too. But they've got to prove that as well. So those are really the top teams that I kind of see floating around there. You got a Georgia, you got a Tennessee, you got possibly an LSU, but I don't think LSU is going to be up there. Uh, FSU, Michigan, Ohio State. Those are kind of the teams I see up there. I think Florida's getting over that hump of Clemson, so I don't see them there. I could really, realistically, I could see Georgia and Michigan playing in the national championship at the end of the 2023 season. Just my opinion. So that is our season preview game by game. The next time we talk, we're going to be previewing the UT Martin game. And there's not, it's going to be basically just like this. Uh, not really going to be a lot to, to preview on it because. It's UT Martin. More of it is probably going to be just coming on. Let's get an injury update. Let's see how we're looking this week. Let's see how we feel about things coming into the season. We'll start getting our picks uh, put together. I think I looked and and went through my picks from last season, and I I was over five hundred, almost almost right at that six hundred mark as far as my predictions went on games from last season. And I would have to go way back to try to find them from years because I was like, how fun would it be if I picked? all three of the years that I've done this before season four now, obviously, and just got all of my predictions and percentage, figure out just how good and successful I actually could have been if you actually put any money on it. Um, But I haven't done that. I've only done that for last season. So that is our season uh, preview. Do want to do one thing real quick before we get wrapped up and out of here. Um, and that's I want to give a shout out to Kyle Rollins uh, for the Apple Podcast review. Remember, you guys, if you guys do not mind, uh, leave us a review. Leave us a review whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcast, wherever you guys listen. If it allows you to leave a review, I'd greatly appreciate that. Again, all that does is help boost our channel here. If you guys are watching. On YouTube, as you see up there, make sure you guys hit the thumbs up button, like the video, leave a comment if you guys want to. If you're not, make sure you subscribe as well. If you like it and you watch it, hit that subscribe button. Again, all that does is grow the show. Thank you guys again for listening. Follow us over on X, not Twitter, but X, at DogTalk20. Same thing on Instagram and also on the Facebook page as well. If you guys want to support the show, Patreon forward slash DogTalk. I will check in with you guys next week where we're going to be talking about some Georgia football. Georgia football, UT Martin. The next episode we talk about is preparing for that game. We'll check in with you guys when that time comes. Go dogs. <laughs>